So when I moved back to Portland, I kind of thought I was done with LA actually. And then I moved back to Portland in January and it was raining and I was like, what did I do? Welcome back to Gamble's Green Room. I'm your host, Mike Gamble, bringing you the people you need to know, the stories you want to hear. Today, I'm joined by the awesomest one of my agents in Los Angeles. She is the director of booking at Sports and Lifestyle Unlimited in the Los Angeles office. She's a former athlete herself. And with sports, she started her own uh, nonprofit organization in the Chitipi area of Malawi, encouraging, empowering, and educating children through her girls' power leadership program and her boys' leadership program. We're going to get into all this good stuff. I'm talking about my girl, Miss Karen Osborne, in the house. Hello. Hey. Look at at that Colgate smile. (laughs) I tried. You don't try. It's just you. It's just... (laughs) You're so sweet. You're sweet. How are you, doll? You know, I'm good. I'm good. good. I'm, I'm, um, it's a busy time. So I'm a little like, but <laughs> it's benefit time for Cusuera, right? Yes. Two. We have two benefits, um, coming up. I, you know, I do them back to back sort of so I can get them all done and then move on. And I know it gives me anxiety, but, um, now I'm here and I'm remembering why I always question that. So <laughs> it's fine. But it it's, it's also it's also to get you out of this zone, so it's it's one and done. Yeah. But you also still have your regular life that you have to live while doing all of this stuff while running yes. a nonprofit, which is yes, not, trying exactly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I try to live a you know regular life, whatever that means. <laughs> so let's bring it back a little bit. You are originally from the Portland, Oregon area. I am Portland, Oregon. Um, grew up in well, Eugene, and then Portland. Mm-hmm. Um, before moving to LA. So, and, yeah. No, Beaverton is where Nike's from, but Eugene isn't too far away from that, right? Eugene is where University of Oregon is. Go Ducks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, Nike is in Beaverton, uh, you know, 15, 20 minutes outside of Portland. So, yeah. Okay. But Portland is where um, I grew up and then left to come to LA and then went back to Portland just for a little stint. And that's when I got connected with the agency that I currently work with. So, hmm. Did, so you grew up doing sports is Portland, a very mm-hmm. big sports town itself. I would say so. Um, it's very active, you know, whether there's people hiking or cycling and running, um, but you know, football and basketball for sure. Absolutely. I, I think, I mean, that was my life. So that's what I knew. So <laughs> other people might think differently, but Okay. But you do have the Portland Trailblazers, the NBA team. Mm-hmm. You have the University of Oregon Ducks, as you said. Mm-hmm. And then... Yeah, there's another college that's our rival. We don't talk about that. So. <laughs> <laughs> they don't matter. <laughs> Love it. All right. So how did you... <laughs> so as you can hear, Portland is a sports town. We don't talk about rival teams. You talk about the one yeah. that counts. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. But you know, what's interesting is they only have, so they have the Portland Trailblazers as a professional team. Mm-hmm. Um, we do not have a professional baseball team. We do have soccer. So there are a male and female. I think there's male. I know there's a female soccer team. Um, yes, the Timbers, duh. It, male and female pro soccer. So it's mm-hmm. a big soccer area for mm-hmm. sure. 
Um, but you know, no football, no baseball. Um, so it's kind of like, you know, soccer and the trailblazers are the biggest. Yeah. There's winter Hawks, which is like the minor Mm -hmm. leagues, I think. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not in hockey, so sorry. (laughs) Um, I like all most sports, but yeah, I mean, it's, I would say it's a sports, uh, the the Northwest is very, you know, active in, in just the outdoors and sports and pro teams and stuff like that. Well, you know, in the U.S., we call the Pacific North Northwest the granola area because you're so into <laughs> nature yeah. and staying yes. on trails. Very and green and <laughs> everybody recycles, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is great. We need to. I mean, you know, clearly there's a lot we need to do for the planet. So, you know, yeah. I'm not mad at it. I've, I've yeah. been to Portland and actually the, you have a Japanese, okay, we're not getting to the tourism of Portland, but <laughs> it's the Japanese garden. That's yeah. in Japanese garden, Portland. Rose garden. They are, places. I went, when did I, I went in the summer cause I was, I was going there for mm-hmm. Simon's well, wedding. It was, best, and yeah. it was B U T full. Like mm-hmm. even if you're not into nature like that, just walking around, it's stunning. It's mm-hmm. stunning. Not to yeah. mention you have two of the best donut places in the center of the center of town. <laughs> Me Voodoo, too, Voodoo. And Star and Blue Star? You know, I don't know them. I just oh. know Voodoo. Okay. Yeah. I, I, you know, I haven't been there. I mean, I don't live there um anymore, so I don't I just know Voodoo. But the best time to go is between July and September. It is mm. stunning, it's gorgeous, it's one of my favorite places during that time frame. It's so beautiful. Um, I'm not into the rain. And so the rest of the year is just gray, gloomy, you know, depressing for me. Mm. It does make it very green. However, during those very <laughs> few sunny months. Um, so it's gorgeous and that's the time to go. So that's probably when you went. Yeah. I was there, uh, middle of August. Yeah. Perfect. Exactly. And it wasn't, it, it was, it was like a mile. It wasn't hot like LA freaking fire desert hot. Yeah. Valley hot. <laughs> oh. Um, yeah, like 80s, probably, you know. Yeah, it was nice. Which is, it was perfect, yeah. So growing up in Portland, Oregon, in the sports town that it is, what sports did you start with? I started in Little League playing softball when I was nine. Um, and, you know, played for a while and then really got into volleyball and basketball. My favorite sport is basketball. And, um, you know, I did a little bit of track and field, but the school I went to, it was a small private school. So they didn't have a ton of teams. And so we didn't really have a track and field team at the time when I went, I think they do now, but anyway, so basketball, softball, and volleyball were my, my three. Basketball. And then basketball is my favorite. And I wanted to play basketball in college. Um, and, uh, actually I wanted to play that I got accepted to Western Oregon State, which I uh, didn't end up going because I didn't want to go to four-year college just to play basketball. So I ended up playing at Portland Community College for a little bit, got injured, and then moved on to oh. other endeavors. So, yeah. Oh, no. What was the injury? Uh, my ankle on both sides, broken on both sides. Oh. Of my ankle. Yeah, it was awful. How the hell so did you that? You know, going up for a rebound came down on someone else's foot and it just, it was a mess. So. Did you break both of them at the same time? 
both sides of one yeah. angle. Yeah. Both sides of one angle. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so yeah, that was it. Yeah, we're done. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so, and I was really only going because I wanted to play basketball. I was taking like <laughs> business communications and, you know, whatever. But I, um, that even wasn't even my original journey. So I Let's talk about that. What was your original journey? I originally wanted to do makeup for the sets in Hollywood. So I wanted to get my license and um, study makeup and hair. And I did. I had, you know, I'm, I've been a creative all my life, but a lot of people were like, oh, there's so much more you can do. But I think that's, you know, every job has value. And, um, you know, it was a trade that I enjoyed and I wanted to. And so I moved to LA and I did. I was a makeup artist for a while. Originally, that was my original reason. I've known you. <laughs> I've known you for what? 15? Yeah, a long time. Yeah, yeah. And this is the first time I've ever heard. Yeah. That okay? So okay, let me let's rewind for a quick second. So you got accepted okay. to West West Portland, Western Oregon, Western Oregon. Mm-hmm. Did you not want to go there because it wasn't University of Oregon? Like, was that the rivalry? <laughs> I didn't want to go there because I didn't want to go to four year college. Okay to be honest, because that was not my plan. I only wanted to play basketball. So I, you know, applied, got accepted and then decided not to go. <laughs> I know that sounds terrible. No, it doesn't. It sounds, it sounds like a person knowing what they want to do and going for it. Yeah. It's kind of us. So many times we're taught or told like you have to do this or you're yeah. throwing away your future. If you don't go to a four year mm-hmm. school and it's like, Yes. There's a lot of vocation. There's a lot of vocational vocational school. Uh, to be honest, I think is where it's at. I will always encourage people to get their education wherever that is. If they want to go to a college, get their master's. If you want to go, you know, 10 years to college, be a doctor. I don't do what you need to do. Um, but there are a lot of trade skills, vocational mm-hmm. schools that are great. And you're not, you know, spending a bunch of money on college loans, you know? So <laughs> And pe- for for my European people, I know you think you know about this, but the cost of education in the U.S. is more than buying a home. Yeah, it's ridiculous. By the time you pay for four years of U.S. Uh, higher level, university yeah. level education, you have bought at least two homes. And most yeah. and most people in the U.S. are funding that through loans, so they pay for them for the next thirty to forty years. No, jo- mm-hmm. no joke. Right. So, like the quote unquote lie of Mm -hmm. having to go to university to make your life something listen there's there's so many as karen said there's so many trades and skills out there that get you through Mm -hmm. life i'm not saying don't go to university of course like everybody has their path but you don't have to do one thing there are jobs and and career paths that require a degree or an education in some way shape or form 100 percent. however that's not all of them. And there's a lot of people who have their degree in something that they, they're not even doing right now. It is nothing. It was just, it was the experience and the fact that they have a degree, yep. which is great. I will always promote education, but to me, education, I mean, life is education as well, I believe. And so if you're really going for it, there's a lot of ways to educate yourself. So I did not want to go to four-year college. So I went to Portland Community College. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, switched into the the creative world for a little bit. So, yeah. So where did you do your, uh, 
was it was it esthetician school or was it like in, in Portland in Tualatin? It's a it's no longer there apparently. Um, but I got my license there and and then studied like a lot of like Joe Blasco, um, like makeup schools and mm-hmm. different things like that when I got to LA and then just worked on the sets and worked my way in. I had some connections. Um, I was on the set of 90210, the original 90210, quite a bit doing like kind of intern and, um, Mm -hmm. but I wasn't, I wasn't in the union for, uh, for crew. Mm -hmm. And so I couldn't really touch (laughs) the actors, but I could hand them a a makeup sponge or a brush or, you know, (laughs) all that kind of thing. So, but it was, I learned a lot. It was really great. And then I ended up doing a lot of photography, makeup and all that kind of stuff. So it was great. Non-union projects. Um, for those that don't know, it's just, you know, uh, photo shoots and, and commercial shoots and movie shoots that don't require the union backing. Mm. <laughs> so they don't have to pay you much, um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's a great learning ground. So I enjoyed it, but I enjoyed it for a time. And then I shifted into doing a little bit of different, all different kinds of roles, um, in the entertainment industry. I worked with an extras casting, which uh, kind of gave me a, 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 another vision into another side of the world. Um, and I did, a, I was a stand in for a while. I was a director's assistant on, um, a couple projects, learned a ton in that one. And then ultimately I did PR for a little bit. I actually, the smartest thing I think I did <laughs> in my early years in LA was to, register with a temp agency that was entertainment based. Mm. So they would place me in entertainment industry, entertainment companies around. And, um, I really was able to learn a bunch. I mean, I, I, that was probably one of the best things that I did. And I learned casting, I learned PR and then I got a job in business affairs, which at first I was like, why would I want to do contracts? I'm not interested in legal stuff. Mm. (laughs) And it was my first um, business affairs and legal job was with Sunset Beach. Um, Aaron Spelling's attempt at daytime for three years. It lasted three years. Um, but I met some of my best friends from that. So it was amazing. But I walked in and I was like, oh, they told me this was in casting. And she's like, no, no, we work with casting, but we're, we do the legal, the contracts. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not really sure that's for me. <laughs> And the gal who was the um, contract negotiator, she wasn't an attorney, but she was the contract negotiator that had worked for Spelling for years. And she was like, she seemed pretty cool. And she was like, give me one day and then you can determine if you want to do this or not. And she was super cool. I learned a ton from her in one day. And I was like, okay, I could use this. This education was for six months. Mm -hmm. And um, so I did. I learned it from her. It was really amazing. All the contract negotiating and you know, redlining agreements and just how to kind of negotiate with people. And then um, her time was up and I moved into PR because I had PR. So I did six months with them um, on Sunset Beach and then ultimately did business affairs and legal with the gal that I originally worked with. She took Mm -hmm. me around every pilot season. And um, yeah, so then I worked in business affairs and legal for several years before moving back to Portland for just a little stint. So I was really grateful to learn all the contracts and negotiation part of the business. See, and this goes directly back to what we were just talking about and what you said that life 
is mm-hmm. education. Yeah. You're now the director of booking for, if not the largest sports modeling agency in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Had you not had these experiences in being brought into business affairs and contract negotiations, stuff right. like that, your whole life would be completely, we might not have yeah. ever met. Like there's a, there's a right. whole, but <laughs> right. again, so, so many people say, oh, they joke around. They're like, oh, you're the jack of all, jack of many trades, but the master of none. It's like, no, right. dude, I actually, the amount of information yeah. that I possess from the different experiences that I have trumps your, yeah. book, your notebook, textbook education, because right. I can survive. Like, yeah, I learned it by doing, you yeah. know, not by sitting in a classroom, you know, listening to a professor as I fall asleep. I, that's <laughs> not how I learn. Right. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I, I definitely feel like for me, that was the best education. Um, and I also, I mean, I did a little bit behind, you know, behind the camera, but also in front of the camera and hosted a show that I created called the fan zone, all about sports fans and, you know, learned kind of both sides mm-hmm. as well. And so when I moved back to Portland, I kind of thought I was done with LA actually. And then I moved back to Portland in January and it was raining and I was like, what did I do? <laughs> <laughs> I just was there for a couple of years. I got connected with Sports and Lifestyle Unlimited, which is my company now. And because I wanted to still be in the entertainment industry, but I never planned on um, being an agent. Mm. And Molly, one of the owners, she actually was my agent in the first place. And I did a couple things up there in Portland. And then there was a position open. She was like, um, we might need you as an agent. I was like, ooh, I don't know. <laughs> and then I <laughs> learned to not, you know, to, just to be open, to not say mm-hmm. no. And, um, you know, that was the best decision ever. So I quickly, I was working with them and I quickly realized like, I do want to go back to LA and you guys need an office in LA. So let's do it. So little and hesitation, but in 06, we did that. That was 06 that we met. I wasn't, I can't remember if it was 05 or 06. So out of so before we get before we went back to Portland and we were doing these quote unquote rounds uh, in different positions, mm-hmm. what not the most valuable uh, position that you're in, but what how can I say it? Not your favorite. Which one did you enjoy the most out of all of them? That's right. Oh gosh, I enjoyed aspects of all of the of most of them, <laughs> and. <laughs> All of them have things that you don't like, but I think right. that's life. That's work. Mm-hmm. Um, What's the and, aspect you didn't like the most? What was the least? What was the least one? <laughs> you know, I I love dealing with people and working with people, um, and I I love learning. And so, even challenges were fine. I was fine with challenges because then it just meant I was learning. Um, what I didn't like is uh, just <laughs> also dealing with some people <laughs> um, <laughs> as much as I love people. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> I don't like people at all. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, hey, you don't have to tell me. Everybody knows I love people, but I hate humans. Like it's, no, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's just, you know, dealing with certain people and, you know, I had all kinds of bosses and, mm. um, you know, and I try to be 
the boss now that's like encouraging and, and guiding and training. Like, I mean, I'm put in place to kind of guide and teach and train and make sure things happen. So, you know, if you get somebody that doesn't want any structure and doesn't want to be told what to do, you know, maybe they think I'm too much, but I'm, I, I need to, cause I'm being asked to put things in place and make sure things get done. Yeah. <laughs> so if they're not getting done, it falls on me. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that. Um, and some people, you know, this day and age, I realize, particularly with the pandemic and people, you know, wanting to work from home and all that kind of stuff, we've, we've switched. So now it's like, um, a little bit different, but I, I always wanted to learn and I always hope that my staff wants to learn mm-hmm. and, um, you know, you get different personalities and that doesn't always happen, but dealing with agents, you know, can be an up and down <laughs> battle. Um, but some are really great. Um, so I would say, I mean, when I first started learning how to like, you know, redline an agreement with notes and, you know, send back and have to make changes and try to get somebody to, you know, agree to this, that, and the other and get signatures. And I mean, that's kind of annoying at the same time in a weird way. I also don't mind it. So I don't know. Mm. I'm, I have to honestly think about what I did. I know specifically something I didn't like, and I don't, you know, <laughs> know if I can say this, but when I did work with um, Sunset Beach, there was a gal specifically that it was in casting that I had a hard time with. And I called her out many times, but she was incredibly racist and I hated it. And I brought it to people's attention and it was just awful. And first of all, she was in casting. So yeah. like, that's lovely. Um, and so that was just a, while that job was an incredibly wonderful job. And like I've said, I've met some of my best friends from that, that particular experience um, there, there was that one thing that sticks out to me and has always stuck out to me that I ultimately, when they wanted me to stay on, I was like, I, I will, but I can't, I, I can't work next to her. And they were like, yeah. well, something we can do about it. And nowadays, of course, <laughs> they would have been on that, like, <laughs> you know, but back then it was like, well, that's just her. <laughs> you know? I'm like, yeah. no. So anyway, um, that was a very annoying time, but I was talking to, uh, Another one of my friends in casting, uh, Tali Kasparis, and she was telling her story of when she was working for Condé Nast, when she, um, she was hiring women of ethnicity for like Mademoiselle, I forget which magazine, I think it was Mademoiselle or something. And the company was like, why are you hiring so many people of color? And she's like, because they're beautiful. And they're like, yeah, you're limited to like one a month or something. And she's just like, I, what? So there, but like like her and you these experiences of seeing how the shitty way people work mm-hmm. also help develop you into the boss that you never want to be like or the agent mm-hmm. you never want to be like so that's one of the reasons why we vibe so well is that like you know people don't normally hang out with their agents like <laughs> like <laughs> so we are friends like, right like yeah. we are friends yeah. we 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 stayed yeah. in touch the entire time and it's but it's because there is a friendly nature to, you're welcoming you're like you're encouraging you're like you not that you get involved on a personal level but you, all of us feel welcome being around mm-hmm. you and that's as an agent uh, as an, thank you <laughs> no well thank you i, I <laughs> wouldn't i wouldn't have half the life that i have right now if if, I, if it wasn't for you so <laughs> thank you 
but it's, but it's truly like Simon and I, Simon and I talk about you all the time. Like, that's the thing. We have a trio. Like when I visit him or I visit you, like we send pictures, mm-hmm. because it's like, we mm-hmm. are friends like, like that. Yeah. Yeah. Because you've cultivated an office space. You've cultivated an office culture in this company of us wanting to be there and wanting to be together. So it's again, having those experiences that no matter how crappy that person was, of course, you know me, I can't deal with crappy people. That's why I can't really work in the <laughs> yeah. service industry anymore. But well, I do have an issue sometimes. I will let people know, but I, I need to work on how to let people know, maybe. But <laughs> yeah, I don't like dealing with annoying people either. But anyway, yeah. but yes, like you were saying, it's hard to work in the service industry. It's, you know, if you're, I, I just, and mm-hmm. I don't have patience for certain things. Mm-mm. <laughs> Yeah. We're we're gonna keep it cordial right now and we're mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. So I wanna rewind a quick second. Okay. My a big thing of mine in life is everything happens for a reason. And there are mm-hmm. no mistakes in life, there are learning experiences. Even though we might have a plan and might not go the way that we want it to go, there's plans being mm-hmm. there's plans in action already. Mm-hmm. Um, you didn't want to go to a four-year college. You went to the two-year to play basketball, even though that wasn't mm-hmm. your intent. You wanted to be a hair and makeup stylist. You were playing basketball. How soon into your basketball career at uh, PCC? Oh, first year. For, for, <laughs> okay, this goes right into yeah. what, I'm going to, what I was going <laughs> to say. Your first year, you break. You have a horrible break of your ankle on both mm-hmm. sides. Good Lord. Mm-hmm. Uh, how soon after that did you go to Los Angeles? Did you decide to leave Portland? So maybe two years after I got my, mm-hmm. my, uh, license and certification, mm-hmm. I went about two years later. Yeah. So then you made your way down. I to could Buffalo. date myself and tell you what year it was, but <laughs> <laughs> we try and stay away from dates yeah. on the show. <laughs> a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll say late nineties. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sure. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> and then uh so we're now in los angeles now we have all the experience and again you have these experience being presented to you that you're like no but you know what why not and you learn from them um Mm -hmm. it's really interesting because i just came back from spending a weekend in hamburg with my uh my nephew at 10 years old and you know, as a 10 year old, they have a very, anything that's negative, like is the, a mountain to them. It's hard for mm-hmm. them to get over. Big stuff. Yeah. And he's super competitive as well. So like he's been, he's been up and he's been down. Uh, my sister-in-law, my brother told me like he's been down and stuff. So we were having a talk this morning and he was like, daddy always tells me that uncle Mikey has a positive mental attitude. Why? And I was like, well, you know, things happen in life and we can't really control them, but we can't live in fear of them going bad. We just have to be prepared and then make the best out of what happens. He was like, mm-hmm. oh, and, it, and then it was just, uh, he was like, but negative stuff always happens. It was like, but positive stuff happens through it too. And we, mm-hmm. we get through and I was like, like you went skiing last, uh, last month. He was like, yeah, but I fell a bunch of times and I slipped off the slope and I was like, but you won third place in your ski camp. He's like, oh yeah. <laughs> but yeah. again, it's, it's easy for, and yeah. the reason why I'm telling the story is because it's easy for us as adults as well mm-hmm. to get so focused on what's not going right. Karen could have right. been, Karen could have been like, oh, I broke my ankle. I, I just want to play basketball. Oh, my life is over. Even though I'm at PCC, like 
or mm-hmm. this isn't what I want to do anyway. God, my life. So like, there's so many different ways, or you got into the, uh, business affairs side. It's like, I don't want to do this. And you could have just ass bagged it the entire time mm-hmm. and not made the best out of it. And lo and behold, had you not had that, uh, experience working in that for that mm-hmm. amount of time, we, pro- again, we probably wouldn't be here as a director of booking. Mm-hmm. Okay, Karen. Yeah. Is, Karen is the reason why I did uh, American Gladiators. I did not want to do that show, like at all. <laughs> I do not like reality TV. <laughs> so, once again, she's a friend of mine. She's like, okay, like only thing you have to do is just come see them. They're interested in seeing them. We told. I was like, dude, they want I'm personality. Not- <laughs> <laughs> do you remember this? They were like, so. I was like, listen, I'm not standing in a line. I'm not waiting for three hours to do a physical test. I'm I'm not doing mm-hmm. it. And they were like, okay, if you walk up and you do it, will you come? And I was like, if you can be, <laughs> I walked up and I got a shirt. But right again, to the front. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but if it wasn't for Karen, there's a lot of ex- there's a lot of people I wouldn't have met. Uh God, I just Tim Tim and I just had a great text message conversation for his birthday uh last week. Alejandro I saw in uh, mm-hmm. San Diego when I was home for the summer, uh, James, it's like a bunch of people. I have a bunch of friends, mm-hmm. uh, from there, but also the experiences that I got from that Leila mm-hmm. Ali, uh, Hulk Hogan, mm-hmm. uh, one of the production managers was actually ended up being the father of a friend of mine who I was dancing with that I didn't realize. And we connected wow. that way. We had actually worked together yeah. on one of the choreography award shows when I was a production assistant when I first, so like, there's all these things that you don't realize are in the works for your life, don't sell yourself short. You never know yeah. what or when the next right. opportunity is going to present, it how, present itself or how. Be open to them. Mm-hmm. Like you yeah. never know where it's going to take you. Even though you might have the beeline, straight beeline of what you think you want to do, which is funny because bees don't fly in a straight line. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, that is funny. That. Bees don't fly in a straight line. They fly this way. But anyway. <laughs> You might have a beeline of what you think you want to do. And then something mm-hmm. happens. It's also it's talk about relationships. Everyone's like, oh, I want this person to be this way and that way. And then they meet, oh, they're not my type. And then you fall in love and it's the whole fantasy that you want it to be. But it's like, mm-hmm. oh, I never thought because we're told, we've told and taught so often that it has to be this way for it to be right. Right. You have to walk down right. this path. It has to fit it to into successful. this little yeah. Yeah, box. All these stupid little boxes that no one cares about. No one wants mm-hmm. to live in these. But everybody yeah. stays within them. Allow mm-hmm. yourself to break out. Well, and I said it a little earlier. Like I, the the position with uh, at Sunset Beach with Spelling Productions for, um, you know, business affairs and legal uh, contract negotiating. I was so just like, Ugh. and one day she said, you know, give me one day. And Mm -hmm. from that job, I literally met my best friend and some of my best friends were all friends to this day. Mm -hmm. And so all of that path would have been completely different had I just that day gone, no, I'm not interested. And just left, (laughs) you know, and I stuck it out and then it was the best decision ever. So yeah, I always, you know, try to tell people like it doesn't always look like what you think it's going to look and be open because you just never know. So now we go back up to Portland. We leave Los Angeles. We go back up to Portland. Uh, how did you meet Molly, by the way? 
Well, so I was trying to figure out what I was going to do in Portland. And I in Portland in January. A, yes. I, I had started a couple things in LA and decided, well, let me just kind of continue those in Portland. I had a, a handbag business called Cozy Totes. <laughs> it was fun until it wasn't. And then um, <laughs> I, <laughs> my creative side, you know, yeah. And there is a business side to me too, but I was just like, nah. And then, um, but I had also started uh, in LA uh, kind of writing, producing and hosting the fan zone, which was my little show about sports fans. And mm-hmm. it was super fun. And I thought, you know, let me, let me kind of dig back into that. So I, uh, you know, had some friends that were like, you know, you should try this agency and at the time it was sports unlimited. Mm-hmm. They added the lifestyle in 2010. Um, but, uh, you know, and maybe they can help, you know, with some hosting and, you know, get you some gigs and whatever. And at least you can stay in the entertainment industry in some way. So they connected me with Molly and she interviewed me, took me on and I was a talent with her for a year. That's how I met her. And then that's when the the position kind of opened up and she was like, Hey, <laughs> cause they knew, you know, my experience in LA and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. So that's how, then I switched <clears> over <throat> and stopped the, in front of the camera and then was behind the camera. Nice. In the office. <laughs> and then that's so. when, and that's when you, around the time we met, cause you were coming down to start the LA office at that point. Yes, I'd come down a couple times mm. here and there for a few weeks and kind of, you know, just let them know, like, let's build up the talent, let's build up the clients. And then uh, it was, um, yeah, October of 2006 that I officially went back to L.A. and started, you know, the the L.A. division. And then I worked out of my house for the first nine months. And I told them, I said, if we get this to a certain point, I need to be around people. So uh, you know, let's hire somebody and get a little office or something. And mm-hmm. so we did. So July of 07, we had our first physical office. Um, and yeah, I was, I was signing people, meeting people at maybe Starbucks or something, but like, um, the, you know, kind of like, a Regis or we work one of those co-working spaces, you could go mm-hmm. rent an office. And so I yeah. would rent a conference room and would meet people and talent. And, um, so kind of built it up that way. And then, so, I mean, I'd have to look and see, do you remember what date you signed? But I do remember we met in one of the conference rooms you were renting out on Beverly Hills mm-hmm. adjacent, like right next to Beverly Hills. Yeah. So that would have been between October 06 and July 07. So yeah. Yeah. yeah crazy. Um, and yeah, we just started. What's cool is that one of the gals from the Portland office who took my place um, knew that we were going to be hiring and wanted to come to LA. And she called me and she was like, Hey, I, uh, I want to be the person that you're working with in LA. I want to, I want that job. And I, that was one of the best decisions ever too. She was amazing. And she ultimately wanted to go to law school in LA and she did, but she's one of my best friends to this day as well. So <laughs> You know, it all worked out. And I know who she is. <laughs> yes. Yeah. She's amazing, Malik. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> how was so how was it starting up the uh, okay, we all know that LA is just chock full of people looking to be talent. Mm-hmm. Was it hard to find actual talent or 
Like, what was the filtration system like? Well, you know, it's interesting because, well, we've shifted sort of what we look for now versus mm. then because we were just trying to build um, our talent base. But they, everybody had to have some legitimate skill in some way, shape, or form mm. um, and a look and a personality that would, you know, walk into a room and book a gig, you know. So I feel like I had a pretty good eye and, you know, meeting with people. Um, you know, and some people don't work out. Some people you think are going to be great and they don't really work out. Some people you're like, maybe, and they end up being amazing. So, um, at the time I was, you know, focused on, uh, kind of a, a list of what we were looking for. And like I said, it's shifted a little bit because we are, it was sports unlimited. And like I said, in 2010, we switched to sports and lifestyle unlimited. So SLU, because we always did lifestyle. We always did stuff they had nothing to do with sports as well, but people just thought of us as athletes only. And so we're like, no, no, they can sit on a bench and eat an ice cream cone too. (laughs) (laughs) Really? They can. And so we shifted our marketing, our logo, everything to add lifestyle. And it's helped a little bit, but we still have to, you know, kind of when people go, Oh, we're good. We don't need athletes for this one. But I'm like, okay, but you need people, (laughs) you know, like, (laughs) It, the I don't know. It's it's sometimes people can't think outside the box. So anyway, we did shift it to that, and now we you know like we could have our six foot seven basketball player, but they're going to be pretty limited. Um, mm. You know, our five foot five gymnast can be great for certain things. They're going to be limited. You know, so we our focus is a certain height range, certain skills, and then if they're amazing um, and they fit the sample size apparels or the shoe size, or they have a great lifestyle look, or, you know, it's a, it's a little bit different. Um, so in the beginning, I may have been trying to just take on more talent, but they all were athletes in some way, shape or form. Mm-hmm. How was it? So we talked about this with me. <laughs> huh? I hate reality TV. Didn't want to mm-hmm. do the show. <laughs> um, we also talked about, uh, expanding your, uh, horizons. Yes. Thank you. Um, (laughs) was it, how was it with the talent in Los Angeles? Because we were sports and lifestyle to begin with, Mm -hmm. was it hard to redirect talents horizons for what they were being sent out and seen for? Yes. Um, I would say that most people say, Oh, I, you know, I'm not a model or actor. I just want to do the the sports projects. And if I know that they would do well with the lifestyle stuff, I would kind of explain, you know, what that looks like and how that would go. And some of them get more comfortable. And now we have a lot of athletes who want to do fashion and, you know, all Mm -hmm. these other things. And I'm like, well, you know, there are some people that can do both Mm -hmm. really well. Um, our best moneymakers are those who can do, you know, a skill, like a sports skill. They're great runners. They have a great stride. They can do battle ropes. They can climb, they can whatever, but they can also do the lifestyle, the catalogs, the, Mm -hmm. you know, OBs and Eddie Bowers and all the, you know, we have jeans companies that have nothing to do with sports. Um, but it's difficult. Not everybody can do that. Guys actually shift a little easier. Um, but for women, 
um, it, it, I don't know, it's a skill and we have some who are phenomenal at it and they are busy bookers and they can go from sports to lifestyle. So it's sort of coaching and educating them on what that means and what that looks like and how it'll open up things for them. And like, don't be afraid because everybody's like, Oh, I want to work at Nike. I want to work at the Adidas. I want to work with REI, you know? And I'm like, that's great. We'll submit you on those, but don't focus on that because then you're going to maybe limit yourself to all these other great things. Mm -hmm. You know, like we had someone that, you know, did a Jeep commercial and had nothing to do with sports and they were, they get all the residuals and they're making all this money. They're like, Oh my gosh, I'm so glad I did it. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. See, I, I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so it is difficult to try to get people to move um, from just being athletes. But what I like is that it gives athletes who may not have gone on to play pro sports mm-hmm. that maybe played in college or competed in college or even high school that have the skill and they have a good look and personality, but they can now use that and still make money off of it. So that's kind of what I love about it and kind of getting them to kind of pull out of themselves to be able to expand to other things is great. Talking about reality, we don't, ever since gladiators, we don't really place people as competitors anymore. It was just, um, it's a lot for a non-paid position and we don't do that anymore. It was kind of fun. It's like, Mm -hmm. oh, we're going to get people in there and and it turned out great for us. because one of our gals won, but um, it's it, if they need a judge, a host, um, like a paid role mm-hmm. for reality show, we will do it. Um, but we don't place competitors anymore. Yeah. Just FYI. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I experienced that when mm-hmm. oh, bastards. Anyway, yeah. uh, <laughs> it's just a lot if you're just is. not. <laughs> you also started behind the camera or in front of the camera you started in front of the camera mm-hmm. as talent mm-hmm. do you feel that that helped you as well to understand how mm-hmm. to manage talent not just for booking but like with that mentality of mentality hey, yeah i do it's interesting because um you know, when we uh, are looking for to hire positions uh, with the agency, we now state, you know, that if you're actively trying to be a model actor or photographer or freelance photographer, even that, you know, we're not interested. Mm-hmm. Part of that is we say actively because having been one is great. It actually gives a great mentality. If people are also trying to be, you know, working with us in the office, but they're also like secretly submitting themselves on things and they want to go, it doesn't work. So um, it's interesting because some of the people who have been in the industry as a model actor or even photographer um, really do have a great mindset for it and perspective, Um, just not active, actively Mm -hmm. doing that. But yes, I think it did for me. Um, And part of it is because it's just another aspect that I learned when I was doing things all around the industry. So being in front of the camera was just one of them. Mm -hmm. Um, But because, you know, that's who we are representing. I do feel that it helps kind of like, you know, if they're complaint or this or that, I'm like, I get it, you know, cause I've been there. Um, what I, what I didn't have to really deal with back in the day was all of the crazy auditions and self tapes and 
I mean, now people, a lot of people are really complaining about the casting because they're, they're pretty much having you do a self tape. That's like the entire commercial and all the requirements. And it's just, it's really getting out of hand. It's, it's pretty ridiculous, but, um, I didn't have to do all that. You know, um, one of the good things that came out of the pandemic is you can do self tapes and you can do virtuals, um, at least for the first round, maybe Mm -hmm. the callbacks are in person, but that is helpful it's just so intense of what yeah. they're requiring that that's a little much. And I didn't have to deal with that. So it's annoying having to send that out to talent right now. And there's like a big old script of stuff that they have to do and they have to film and they have to, you know, they're like, I'm pretty much filming the entire commercial. I'm like, I know I get it, <laughs> but thank God I didn't have to do that. <laughs> so, you know, but I do think it's a, it's a good mindset. I also asked Tolly about this. What about the uh, social media numbers aspect of cats? <laughs> you didn't see her eyes roll. There. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness! <laughs> what is what? What is with that? Like, well, first of all, there's several layers to that. Social media ha- has it's great, but it's also kind of become a, a pain in the you you know whatever yeah. I can say here. The yeah. You can um, say whatever you want to say. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, we have contracts with our talent and they get contacted directly on Instagram or social media for projects. And sometimes they'll, you know, forget to forward it to us and have us review it, look at it, but then they'll like say yes to something and then something won't go right. And then they loop us in and they go, Hey, they wanted to do this. I'm like, well, should have brought it to us in the first place. You've already agreed to it. Like that, it does give us leverage. <laughs> so it's annoying that people are being contacted directly. Um, and it, you know, it kind of diffuses some of the stuff that we can do for them mm-hmm. in that aspect. Um, if people do have a following, it can be great if it's a project that's a photo or video shoot. And then they also want them to post and they also want to have the influencer aspect. So it's great if they have a following, um, but that also costs money. And some people don't want to pay for that. I'm like, no, mm. no, their, their image has value, but you're getting free marketing if they post it on their Instagram. So then there is an extra fee for that. They're like, oh, we've got extra hundred dollars. I'm like, yeah, that doesn't get it. <laughs> you know, you're basically getting free marketing on our, with our talent. And so that's, it's becoming a little obnoxious. The problem is now social media has so many people that want to be influencers Yep. that they're okay doing things that are free. And they're like, you know, I will send you product if you'll post it. And they want to look like they're a paid influencer. So they'll do it. And I'm like, that literally just minimized your value. You just knocked it down. Um, so we, we personally don't work with that. Um, if we're handling influencer collabs for, for talent, we turn those down. We don't, we say, if you want to do that, that's on you, but we're not handling it. And we also, by the way, do not do affiliate link only projects, um, where they get like a percentage of the back end. Like, no, no, they have to pitch and pitch and pitch to even maybe get some sales. And we don't work with affiliate link only, um, collaboration. So, um, their image has value and you know, so social media has been great because we've been able to do some collaborations and people have gotten paid, you know, well to create a video and post it, you know, so, yeah. or, or still, a still image, but, um, 
there is a lot of work in it. And a lot of times brands and clients will have like several edits. And so they have to kind of go back and reshoot. And so they don't understand like there is money in it, but you have to be ready to shoot your own stuff, you know, Mm -hmm. and everybody's got their own camera and setups and, you know, ring lights and all this nowadays. But, um, so the follower count, some people just don't care and they don't have a big follower count, but they're great on camera and they're going to book it anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, so if it's a gig where they want followers, then those are who we put in. But if it's just a, a modeling gig and they don't really care, um, then they'll book it without a following. Mm-hmm. The The biggest thing is they want to see what they look like now, like currently, every day. They want to yeah. see. Um, and they can tell if it's fairly filtered mm-hmm. <laughs> or if it's just their personality. And they just want to see. They just like to look at their Instagram. So we we have it on their portfolios, but it's a little, little dangerous slope. But, yeah. you know, it is what it is. We're getting used to it. And see, that's that's another part of that talent mentality that I was uh, touching upon earlier, that yeah. even when I was there, and especially in the dance world, there are so many people that are just willing to do stuff mm-hmm. without being paid for it, just because they feel like this, yep. like it's going to be exposure for me. And it's like, mm-hmm. it's great that you want, like, again, social, this is why I don't like social media, because every, as you said, everybody wants to be an influencer and they're mm-hmm. willing to do anything to get it. So the lack, me coming from, like, like you, me coming from a business background, me coming from the talent background, and me also coming from a manage, uh, managerial background, I understand the amount of money that actually needs to go into having mm-hmm. a product placement or asking mm-hmm. someone to post this. But so many people are willing to sell their, mm-hmm. exp- their uh, following to get and it's just like, do you understand how much money you are missing out on? Yeah, they're giving you free product because they're bringing they know that the value down for, for them and other people. Is the thing they're totally ruining their value. Yeah, it's yeah. it's I I, I I just can't fathom. But again, I come. I've had this conversation with uh, another one of my. Uh, I think you met Anastasia Stacy, who was my dance agent in LA. I think you guys maybe met once or so. Maybe but, yeah, a birthday we, party or something. Yeah. <laughs> We, uh, we had talked about it before with dancers that I, I helped manage a bunch of dancers because they just don't have the business mindset of understanding mm-hmm. what it takes to be a business entity. You are right. a freelance standing entity. You yep, don't work you for the agency. Business. Yeah. So yeah, understand yeah. the value of the product that you offer. Uh, understand the value that you offer as a person. Try not yep. to just, even if someone comes up, like we all have friends that we do stuff for, like it, like sure. But yeah. there's there's an extent to that where it's like, listen, mm-hmm. I know I know my friend is working on this, but that company, okay, is everybody else getting paid? Is is the lighting director getting mm-hmm. paid? I need to be paid. Mm-hmm. Are yeah. they getting stuff? Like, you're not asking me to do anything for free anymore. Of course, I do stuff for friends all the time, but there's there's an it's understanding of what there's a uh, there's a give and take. Mm-hmm. Later down the line, they're going to hit me back with something else or like, yeah, it has to be mutually beneficial. Yeah. Thank you. That's the word I was Mm -hmm. looking for. But so many people don't understand that if you just do stuff, there's no reason for them. If you, okay, let's say, let's say Nike wants you to, uh, to place a shoe, like talk about a shoe Mm -hmm. or something and you do it for Mm -hmm. free. You're like, oh, cool. Nike's contacting me and I'm going to get a free shoe. Awesome. Mm -hmm. And then you want Nike to pay you. Nike's going to be like, 
but you did it five no, times you before. Did it for free so, already. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, we'll like, go and get somebody else. Right. Yeah. Oh, you don't want to do this anymore? Yeah. Okay. So Karen, are you available? I, would you like a free for sneakers that you can just mm-hmm. post and we'll give you another? They like, will find somebody else. How do we get people to understand? Like how? Like what is? Well, I feel like when people start to recognize the efforts and energy that they're putting into stuff that they're not getting back mm-hmm. what they think they should, they're going to stop. Like they might do a couple freebies and then realize, oh, it really didn't do much for me. I'm going to start charging. <laughs> um, I think that's that's really how it is. You learn by doing. In mm-hmm. this case, you also learn by your mistakes. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of it. With us, if they're with us, we educate and encourage and say, listen, this is what this is what we won't do, um, and this is why, and this is what we encourage you to you know how to handle this particular situation and so they learn what's interesting not just in the influencer world but just in usage and rates uh it's interesting because new talent they'll be like oh we want to work for you know i just want to work i just want to work and we'll have somebody that's like oh we've got three hundred dollars but we want you know the usage forever in perpetuity you know and i'm like well <laughs> okay is is your work worth three hundred dollars forever you know and that's the mentality they don't understand. You know, like I always say, you know, if you have $5 and you walk into a sports equipment store, a sports wear store, mm. and you say, I want everything in this store and I've got $5, they'll laugh at you and hand you a pair of socks. You know, like, no, that, that, that you don't get everything for $5. And so that's kind of the, the mindset that, that we try to, almost educate the brands and the companies that come to us when they say, Oh, well, we want it forever. We want to use it for, Mm -hmm. you know, any and all media perpetuity, you know, for $500. I'm like, okay, well, one billboard alone in times square for one month is $10,000. So (laughs) if you can't afford that, then let's just exclude out of home, you know? So if they say, this is my budget, I'll say, well, this is what that gives you. And then we carve it down. And if they say, well, we'll find someone else. And I'm like, okay, good luck. And then we move on. It's okay to say no. And I think that's another thing that people have to learn. It's okay to say no and pass 100%. In fact, I will say some of our top talent are making more money than others because they have said no. Mm -hmm. You know? Oh, yeah. It is. it it is just comical to me because so many so many people question having that but but you're going to miss out on that like i know my mm-hmm. worth it is but mm-hmm. dude you could have mm-mm, i don't yeah. i don't need they need me more than i need them yes and if yeah. you want to go get someone else go ahead but remember you came to me first you're mm-hmm. not going to get yeah. what you wanted first which means yeah. that this other person doesn't have what I have. And people, right. and it's p- funny because people have said, like, oh, that sounds, I'm like, it sounds arrogant, but I know my self worth. I know my value, yes. and yes. no one's going to decrease my value is. for it. It's not arrogant. It's confident in knowing your worth. 100%. That's what that is. Yeah. There was, uh, fact, I think, raising your rates is also beneficial because, in a way, psychologically, they're like, oh, they're more valuable. Let's grab her now. Mm-hmm. So we've had people that have asked for a certain talent. They want like the basic $1,500 a day, you know, blah, blah, blah. And we're like, well, her rates are $3,500 a day. And 
they're like, okay, let's confirm her. <laughs> so, at, you know, there's a couple talent that were a little nervous about that at, at first, but now that's their rate and their booking and people are coming after them and it worked out. Now it may not work out for everybody, but you have to at least try to know your value and to hold to it, you know? Because again, if you keep going for the cheap end, you're going to be cheap end. <laughs> right. That's you're going to exactly lose right. your value. Oh. Yeah. Listen, people, anybody that wants to be in this industry, actually, this goes for your entire anything. life, no matter yeah, what profession anything. you're in. If you don't, if a job is, uh, I know I'm going to frustrate. <laughs> if you don't know what you're worth, when you go in for a job interview or the job that you were doing yeah. and you're not getting, and you're not being paid for what you, the amount of work that you're doing, if you were doing your manager's job and they're going to mm-hmm. pay more for you, get out, boo. Like it's mm-hmm. not worth your time. There's yeah. other companies, there are other jobs out there. You might have the comfort of being there for a certain amount of time. You might like your coworkers mm-hmm. and everything, and it might be a hard decision to make, but you really have to think what is more valuable, valuable, right. valuable. valuable. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be my new that's gonna be my new thing valuable <laughs> is it your is it your happiness and your quality of life yeah. or is it that you're working end on end for a company that doesn't value you for the amount of work that you're doing for them me yeah i will always go for i would rather be unemployed and happy than being employed mm-hmm. and miserable and i did that a right. number of times in la as well like right like, I well can't. i think one of the things to remember is that you know not every company has the money that you want or that you think you deserve. We all deserve Very a lot true. of money. Very true. Um, and so, you know, I mean, even in, in my business, I'll be honest. I mean, it's print commercial and influencers. We're not doing theatrical movie and, um, you know, film and television. Mm. And so we're on the lower scale. I'm okay with it. I mean, I'm comfortable, but like, you know, people coming in saying, I want 200,000 starting. I'm like, uh, you're doing com- like Frank commercial. Like there's, <laughs> it's not, you know, like you might work super, super hard, but that doesn't mean you're going to get more just because you work hard. So I right. think that's something important to remember is you have to know the market value mm-hmm. of what job you're at and, and the, in the industry, in the category, in the position. Um, but as for, for talent, you know, it's, um, it's definitely, uh, know your value, know the general market, know, how good you are. If you keep mm-hmm. getting asked back to things and, you know, getting booked and rebooked and, and you have a set rate, be okay going up a little bit, you know? Um, but new influencers that have like 10,000 followers and they're like, I want 500,000 for this post. It's like, yeah, that I, they're going to move on. You know, <laughs> it's going, you do also have to know the market value as well, but yeah. And the, f- that's, Funny thing, I was going to say another word, but the funny thing about that is there are actually people who have that type of request. Oh, Oh, yeah, I've seen it. Yeah. (laughs) I can't. I can't. (laughs) So let's let's uh, leave these people behind for a little bit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you said again, uh, again, you said that you like to encourage and educate talent mm-hmm. on this, but you also like to encourage and educate, as I mentioned before, children. Um, and mm-hmm. you also mentioned in 2010, Sports sports Unlimited became Sports and Lifestyle Unlimited, but in 2010, mm-hmm. something else happened. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, 2010 is officially when something happened, but I right. 
took a trip in 2008. I know. <laughs> um, and um, which I thought was just going to be a trip, you know, mm-hmm. bucket list check. And um, ultimately, uh, you know, a couple friends and I went to Malawi, Africa. And a lot of people say, well, how'd you choose Malawi? And it sort of just happened because we were going to go to Kenya at the time originally. And um, the there were some uprisings and travel alerts for U.S. citizens. And the company that we were going through, they're not around anymore. It was called Ambassadors for Children. And you could go to, there's countries all over the world that had trips and you could go explore the country, see the country, and then you can work with um, children in some way, shape, or form, whether it's orphanage or community center or school or whatever. And I thought, what a you know, great way to explore a new country and then also give back a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I've learned a lot about those and have shifted what we do based on the whole like volunteerism that's not always great. But at the time, we um, had taken time off work and decided not to go to Kenya. And we kind of looked at their list of dates and other trips that were around the time that we, my friends and I had already taken off and Malawi kind of fit into that time frame. So we were like, let's go to Malawi. So that's kind of how that initially started. Mm-hmm. Although I remember instantly thinking, okay, this is clearly <laughs> where I was supposed to go. <laughs> and um, fell in love with the country and the people. And we were doing sports clinics for the kids after school. And I just saw a difference, particularly in the girls and the teachers were telling us they saw a difference. And I just was like, I got to keep coming back and and doing this. And so um, that year uh, was <laughs> Gladiators year. And then I had pitched a USO tour with some Gladiators mm-hmm. and we got to go over, they got to pick anywhere in the world. And um, I said, do you guys have any bases in, uh, I don't know if people know what USO tours, where they go to different military bases around the world. And we took three gladiators um, and went to Bahrain and Djibouti. And Djibouti was the only base that the US had uh, at the time, uh, maybe still. And so I got to go and I said, "Um, is it possible from at the end of that trip for me to go down to Malawi? And so when I went back, I really... Uh, got to know the kids a little bit better and the, the gal that was running the orphanage that we worked with. And uh, 2009 brought a, a team back um, with a, a, my one of my friends. We started another organization and went back again in 2009 in November. So I'd been four times in two years and realized that um, we weren't, that really wasn't who I wanted to partner with um, mm-hmm. for various reasons. She wanted to be the face of it. I thought the kids should be the face of it. <laughs> so, you know, there was that. And um, and so in 2010, I officially started Kusawara. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were not a 51C3 at that time. But in 2012, we officially became a uh, 51C3 in the US. But 2010, got the name, got the website, started taking my own teams. Um, and we would go, I, I told people to teach their passions, you know, mm-hmm. and do whether it was sports clinics. And at the beginning for me, it was sports, but because I was always on the creative, we ultimately changed it to active and creative play. Um, we had photographers, um, you know, dancers and artists and all kinds of stuff. So, um, 
that's kind of how that started. And I, again, hadn't intended on that and it just sort of happened, but I was open mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, changed my life. And then, um, it was about 2014 when the, my friend who was kind of running the orphanage, she left that organization to go to nursing school and the leadership shifted a little bit and, uh, it just wasn't a good fit. And so a lot of people were like, you should do your own thing. And I was like, I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> and so it was really interesting to be like, okay, let's do our own. But we really researched and had meetings with the different ministries, Ministry of Education, Ministry of Women, Children, and Gender, you know, Ministry of Sports, and spoke with um, a lot of like different organizations. Like, what is the need? Like, you know, I don't want to just go do what I think is right. Like, what is the actual need? And they weren't wanting more orphanages. And they said a community center is, is going to be much more helpful because it helps the community and um, not really taking the kids away from their um, from their villages, their traditional um, community. And um, because a lot of times people don't realize that many orphanages around the world are really sort of more like boarding schools, to be honest. Mm. And families kind of ship off their kids because they know they're getting three meals a day, education, clothes on the back, a bed to sleep on. And a lot of them are Western run. And in reality, then the other kids back in the village, they may have lost a parent. Um, Even if they've lost both parents, they'll have an aunt or an uncle or a grandparent. And they really should be in their community and raised Mm -hmm. by their community, um, which is what you know, everybody I spoke to in Malawi said this is what it was needed. So we did, we started a community center. So we, you know, obviously it wasn't that easy, but we got land, 13 acres, um, did some campaigns and we have a community center, which has, um, a guest house, volunteer guest house and a little couple staff housing, um, and a warehouse for storage. And we have a court and a field all by donations were only donation based um, and playground. Um, we have crops for our food programs and we have all kinds of plans. And we just opened our mini golf course, oh, <laughs> which is the only, only mini golf course in Malawi. Um, and um, the kids get to use it during the week. And then on Sundays it's open to the public to pay a fee and come in. And then anything that's, you know, made goes back into the, um, the programs center. and projects. There. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So. How, how often do you, how often do you do trips over? Um, I go about three times a year, um, which I think ever since probably 2000, we opened the community center in 2017. Mm-hmm. And since then, um, maybe 2017, 18, it started to be about two and then grew to three times a year. So yeah. And then we do take volunteer teams. Um, of course, 2020 and 2021 were canceled. Um, mm-hmm. Last year we did have a small group in April and now this year is our first, like uh, we've got about 10 um, going mid June or end of June into July. So I'm excited to kind of get that ball rolling again. Nice. And uh, the volunteers, are they, where do you find, how, like, how do they, how do they find, like, where do they come from? Are they athletes themselves? Word of mouth. Are they some of them. Yeah, some of them are. It's word of mouth. Um, 
we've been, you know, at it for a little while now. So people have been hearing about it. Um, and I think also because the last couple of years people haven't been able to, so they've been kind of looking at when they can go, but, um, you know, we, we, it's on the website. We didn't post it, um, because we, it's right now it's word of mouth. We're not like actively, you know, seeking the volunteers because we have enough, but we're also very specific about who comes on the trips. Um, there, if you go to our website and you see all the information, and you get to the point, you read it, and you get to the point where you believe in what we do, you agree with some of the, the mission and statements that we make, and you want to join, then you can, you know, apply. Mm-hmm. And then we send a questionnaire. The questionnaire has some very specific questions that are designed to really um, get, get out of people kind of the thought process. Because um, one thing I am not going to do is have anyone who thinks they're the big white savior and go Mm. over to Malawi, Africa to work with some black or brown skinned children. And they can't do that in their own community. So, um, it's just very specific. Thank you. you Thank you for that. That is such (laughs) a, I I don't, I mean, like, it's just great. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. It's just, yeah. I mean, there's so many who, you know, think they have to go to overseas to act like they care, but they really don't care about policies and mm. changes in their own community and in their own country. And um, they think that going overseas is going to, you know, help and help help what? Like you're not even helping in your own community, and they are more concerned Ego. about getting that selfie. You know, um. with some, you know, it's just to me that's not it's not okay. It's not what we do, and um, we aren't about that. So, <laughs> you know, do y'all see why I have my friends that I have? Because they're <laughs> bomb as hell. They're like, y'all wish y'all friends, y'all wish y'all friends were my friends because my mm-hmm. friends are dope. But I'm sorry. Well, you're so, dope. Like, but I just, I just really want to like give you a, a moment for people to hear that because mm-hmm. that is so important. And also on the Kusura website, you also offer a number of books. Uh, for mm-hmm. people to read, of uh, being mm-hmm. uh, help conscious, I'll say, mm-hmm. or uh, volunteer conscious, as you said, about right. what it's going towards. So mm-hmm. um, we're definitely going to give everybody I, the... Yeah, absolutely. The biggest thing is if, if, if you're turned off by that and you get to that point and you're turned off, you're not the, the people to come on a trip with us. If you go through that, even if you're a little uncomfortable, like, you know, I need to learn more and you dig into it more, great we are open to people who want to learn and better themselves truly, but not if they're like, wow, that's just ridiculous. And you know, that's mm. clearly not our people. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, um, and everybody has a variety of, you know, education and learning on the situation. But I think the most important thing is people who are willing to kind of unlearn mm. <laughs> and then relearn actual history and actual um, just, I mean, just understanding colonialism and how it's um, been so detrimental to uh, Africa and U.S. and other parts of the world. It's just, it's so important. So, yeah, I mean, it's if, if you're not down with that understanding and getting a little uncomfortable to kind of realize actual history, then no. So we have our, our morning sessions are for uh, preschool and kindergarten kids, or free free classes there. 
and then after school programs for the primary and secondary school children and then some of the young adults. We do have some vocational stuff mm-hmm. um, with computers and tailoring and um, and then we have tutoring and art and dance. We have a dance studio that someone needs to come and dance in. <laughs> um, I know. <laughs> been trying to for years. Yes. <laughs> but it's it was like one of the first actual dance studios in Malawi. Now our friends in Blantyre, four hours south, they have one now as well. But um, so uh, it's just, you know, and of course, sports programs. We have a, a netball team, a soccer team, football, um, and then um, basketball team. Mm-hmm. which, you know, basketball starting to, to get bigger in Malawi, which I love. Um, I knew I had to have a court. I mean, I, <laughs> I couldn't have a, a community center without a court and the field, of course. Um, so yeah, we're always coming up with different projects. We have um, kind of a permaculture mindset there. So we have someone that's going to be teaching more on the food security and nutrition um, proper farming um, in the permaculture mindset. Um, but we'll have someone come in that, you know, we do have a library. So um, we have books that are donated often, um, but we have someone that will come in and teach chess or um, an artist that wants to come and teach painting or um, knitting or uh, budgeting finance and mm-hmm. someone came in and, and taught that. I mean, just whatever people's passions are, they can come and teach. And then we have, um, you know, the conference room and all the different rooms available and outside. And it's really, um, our, our staff do, does a good job of kind of keeping a good variety going, but, you know, and then Fridays are free play and the kids come and the little ones are on the playground and the other ones are checking out a basketball and, you know, it's just, it's fun to see. Nice. And it's, is the, is the community center run daily by, uh, the local community? It's fully run by our Malawian staff. Um, and many are hired locally. And then we have some positions that, you know, with degrees that are maybe a little further out, but, um, yeah, they run it and it's, um, you know, it has a boundary wall. So it's all enclosed, has a gate. So people have to come in to participate um from the community they're closed saturdays except for i mean sundays and now we're only open sundays for the mini golf family fun center weekends basically um on sundays but with a fee and like i said the Mm. fee goes back into the programs um but so yeah monday through saturday the kids come and do their activities so they're on school break right now for spring break but Mm. Are there any programs for the adults in the community? Yeah, the, well, so we have a uh, the tailoring uh, in in computers, but the women's entrepreneurship group mm-hmm. um, they learned. Um, well, first of all, we did a whole session with uh, our friend of Jacaranda who came and they taught. Uh, I think it was a twelve week course or maybe eight week course uh, in women entrepreneurship and business and learning that. So there's a group of women that went through that course and then they all have their, uh, women's empowerment group. Um, and they do farming and then they kind of sell it together and have their own businesses individually as well as together. And then they learned, um, VSLA, which is village savings and loan. Mm -hmm. Um, and they learn how to kind of have their own banking together as a village and, um, it's, it's a great 
uh, format that's taught all over. And so we brought that to our ladies. Um, we are ultimately going to have maybe like carpentry and uh, welding and other things that we can teach motor vehicle mechanics. Um, we have two vehicles. And so, you know, have somebody teach the kids and young adults to do mechanics. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but so really the adults know that they can come and do anything. It's their community center. If they want to teach the kids, if they want to learn something, we had an English course for some of the adults that wanted to learn English. Um, and then the, that teacher had to move on. So we're going to have another one. Um, but there's always different things going on. And if they say, Hey, I want to learn this, then we will, you know, try to find a a teacher or something that can, you know, part of it is just finding the the teacher that will be able to do it, but it's their community center. So they'll have meetings, they'll have groups, they'll, um, like I said, the women's group farms on a section. Um, so it's, it's available to them. Um, but it's growing, you know, little by little, or as they say in Chichewa, like little by little, small, small, but well, it'll grow. That whole thing is just a beautiful setup because I, yeah. I, I'm also privy to the inside information of the other organization you were working with before and how mm-hmm. tumultuous that became. Yeah. And you sort yeah. of were done yeah. for a little bit. Like it, it gave you that yeah. bad of a taste in your mouth. And like you said, this came yeah. not in your plan, but it just was like, mm-hmm. this is where I'm, again, the universe yeah, is like, I was led to it. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. and it's worked out. I mean, I, I, sometimes I'm like, oh, what, what did I get myself into? But <laughs> you know, in general, I love it. So, so now you, so now you all understand if you remember from the beginning, when we started, she was saying that she's doing two benefits at once and she doesn't remember why she's doing it. This is why <laughs> to make yeah. sure that this community center continues running because it's, as she yeah. said, it's all donation-based run, funded. Yes. Right? And it's- by the way, I always have to say this to people is that no one on the US side gets paid, including me. It's all volunteer. The only people get paid are our staff in Malawi. So um it's a for me it's a passion project. Um and I I love it, but it is it's a lot, but we are purely donation based and the donations all legitimately go to the programs and the projects in Malawi. Um that's just that's how you do it, people. It doesn't yeah. you don't uh, pay it forward. The Trying. some of the some of the richer things in life isn't. A, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say some of the richer things in life isn't about how rich you are monetarily. It's about mm-hmm. ensuring other people have that richness, quality of life, and access to things as well. So, with that, what's next for Miss Karen Osborne, SLU Agency, and or Cusuera in general? Like, what's anything on the horizons? Anything? Any? Things you left I mean, from basketball or the makeup that you. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, nothing really that's, uh, I mean, there's always some fun things in the works, but I mean, we have our big volunteer uh, team going mid June. And so I'm kind of, about, you know, obviously prepping for that and I'll be back there for three weeks um, and, and having meetings. So that's kind of like, I mean, the, the benefits coming up, the one in LA and the one in Portland and then the benefit, like, or, I mean, the, uh, the trip, those are kind of the big things coming up. Um, you know, we would like to have a clinic. Um, we have a, a once a week clinic that's there. We have our nurse on staff and they focus on the under fives and the mothers mm-hmm. right now. Um, but we would like to build a separate 
building for the clinic um, on site. Um, we want to build an amphitheater for performances and, you know, training and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, there's just really great projects that are coming along because we really want to um, expand what's available for everyone in the community. So that's kind of the focus. Um, work is busy, you know. So that's it's just, you know, that's just my regular life. I don't know. I do, I do fun things though. I do take care of myself and, you know, have fun and see friends and, you know, yeah. I went to an absolutely amazing concert on Saturday night. So nice. it's, yeah, it's fun. Good I job. treat myself. Nice. There is one more sequence that I want to do with you before we go. Okay. okay. As you know, my last name is Gamble. It's a lovely name to play off of. Mm-hmm. I bought a roulette table filled with 16 shot glasses. Oh, no. <laughs> each each shot glass is numbered and it represents a question off of okay. a list. We spin the roulette wheel, lands on a number, and then we ask a question. Are you game? Okay. Sure. Cool. Can I pass if I don't want to? Yeah, yeah, you, you can you can pass. It's and it's nothing. It's nothing. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, shady or intimate or uh, what's the other word I'm looking for? Uh, that goes like inside. Uh, starts with an Personal. I. Personal. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What the hell? The hell is the word? Oh my god! I'm uh, intruding. That's all right. Invasive. Invasive. Okay. Invasive was the word. Yeah. It's nothing like that. It's just it's just all good fun. So, taking it out. Let's see. Here we go. Boom. I have the magic roulette ball here. We spin it round and round. Okay. I love that. <laughs> it lands on number one. And question number one is... I don't want to do this one with you. That's I was just saying, you're that look. Yeah. <laughs> See, everybody knows my face. Long. I'll still read it to you. So this okay. one is the least desirable job, but the gig paid enough. So you did it anyway. Actually, we can, we actually can do this one. It can either be for you or for a client or for a talent. Well, <laughs> the one from Monica <laughs> oh, on oh, Gladiator like laugh. paid off. <laughs> so that was great. Um, no, it's funny. There, I did a job actually way back in the day that a lot of people laugh at. There were four of us girls as I was getting my uh, my license to, to do makeup mm-hmm. um, needed money. And there were four of us that went and worked at a gas station because in Oregon, you can't pump your own gas. And so we worked at a gas station and it was a gas station slash car wash. And so the four of us girls, they had us work there for the summer. They were doing a test to see if the sales increased and they did (laughs) (laughs) and it was kind of fun it was different but my parents were like you're working at a gas station Ah, whatever it's it's every job is fine um so it was fun it it was it was not very desirable but it was only the summer and it it actually paid off better than i thought we got great tips so that was (laughs) back in the day but (laughs) that was an easy one let's do one more okay let's do one more okay Fun times. 
round and round and round it goes. And again, I need to update these. It's been two years, so. <laughs> Number 33. <laughs> You're like, nope. Next. Hence. Huh. Alright, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just gonna choose you one. Update your... I'm just, yeah, I'm just gonna choose one that I feel that is good enough for okay. you. Okay, good. Let's do it. Um let's see. Um actually I think I've gone through all of these. That's pretty interesting. Let's see. Um you mean just in our session? No, 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 no. Just oh, oh, in general. But actually, overall, in our session, we've gone through most of these as well. Um, okay. okay, here's one for you. I actually haven't had this one in a long time. What's your worst celebrity experience? Oh, gosh. Well, working in PR, I've worked with a lot of people. Um, and you don't have to mention names if you don't want. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean... Yeah. Well, the... <laughs> Well, I wouldn't want to, but the, it's interesting because there's people that you think are great and then you get a chance to work with them and you're just like, oh, that's disappointing, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's frustrating. But there are some pretty amazing people that I've worked with as well um, that maybe kind of surprised me, but um, uh, I had some great ones. I, hadn't ha I haven't had a lot of like negative experience. Well, actually, I take that back. I was on the set of 90210. <laughs> <laughs> back in the day and there was one particular person who was always getting in trouble and you know i won't say any names but she was not fun she was not fun to deal with so the others the other cast members were but that was pretty pretty frustrating <laughs> what no i'm because I can guarantee you, without a doubt, I can guess who you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, I'm oh. sure people can, but I'm not going to say anything. I hope learned in life and is going through, you know, whatever. Obviously, I hope she's learned and I wish her well. But at the time, yeah. she was not nice and it was not, not fun. Yeah. Um, but the other cast members were great. So Cool. Good stuff. <laughs> Awesome. Okay. So if people want to find out more about the organization Cusuera, where can they find information? So um, I would say the website and the Instagram are the two best right now. So Cusuera.org, K-U-S-E-W-E-R-A.org. Mm -hmm. And then the in Instagram is just, you know, the Cusuera handle. At Cusuera. And if you didn't yeah. know, Cusuera means to play in Chichipe. Chichewa. Chichewa. Chichewa is the language. Chichipis are... Oh, oh, there we go. Yeah. Um, and then if people... Uh, sorry to say this, but if people want to find out more about Sports Lifestyle Unlimited... <laughs> SLUagency.com. There it is. And is yeah. there any personal uh, social media that people can find out more about Miss Karen Osborne herself? Um, I mean, Karen Osborne 22 is my handle, so... Okay. Know. There it is. So you have... It's Osborne, no E. <laughs> I always, like... <laughs> A U thrown in there, an E. It's just the simple Osborne. So Karen, O-S-B-O-R-N, 22. Cool. So we have to find out more about Cusuera. And if you want to find out more about the volunteer uh, trips, 
You can go to kusuera.org. That's K-U-S-E-W-E-R-A.org. You can find them on Instagram at, at Kusuera. Um, you can find Sports and Lifestyle Unlimited Agency at sluagency.com, which technically, I guess I'm still part of, even though I haven't been active for like yeah, 10, 12 yeah. years. <laughs> Something comes along and Sweden, though. Right. I don't think of you. <laughs> well, actually, there was there was one time I came back for, well, I was home for a summer. Yeah. You were like, you know, while you're home, can I just mm-hmm. mind? And I got, what, like five or six go-sees? Yeah. Yeah. In a week, and people who yeah. live in LA were like, "What, dude? You don't even live here yeah. anymore. What the hell?" I know. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you never know. Let us know when you're coming back again. Yeah. And then again, if you ever need me to come back for some office help, I'm I'm always there for you. Awesome, love it. <laughs> and then for if you're not doing it by now, you should already be doing it. Make sure you follow at Gamble's Green Room on Instagram to stay up to date of all of my guests some behind the scenes footage of what they're doing and some behind the scenes footage of these uh, talks that we have, all the fun that we have there. Um, lots of fun. Lots of fun. Thank you so much, Care Bear, for doing this for me. It's so great. It's super fun. Thanks and for then, wanting to. Yeah. Of, of course. And then I even found out some stuff about you that I didn't know myself. Yeah. I'm some well, every yeah. day. <laughs> yeah. So Super we will fun. talk soon. We'll do it again. Okay. And unfortunately, I don't think I'm coming home this year. Ah, uh, bummer. Okay. But well, maybe I'll have to come to Sweden. Do it. And then, okay, <laughs> when are the volunteer trips normally? Typically in the summer, end of June, beginning of July ish, you know. And so. that's the thing. Normally I'm going to the US then. But yeah. if I don't. I will get there yeah. because I've been promising you for 12 years now. <laughs> I know. Well, and we may do one in the fall as well, but, um, you know, it, it's just, it's a lot to yeah. schedule. And so trying to get it all into one, but anyway, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. We'll make it happen. Yes. Love you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Talk to you in a bit. See you. Okay. Bye.